Living Holistically Well with Dr. Annette West. Again, we will have a myriad of topics, interviews, and engaging words of thought to share with you this season. The purpose of this show is to help us build up our minds, our bodies, and our spirits. And I just want to give a shout out to Creative Common for allowing the show the use of their jazz instrumental, Smooth Jazz. Now, let's get started with Dr. Annette West's topic for today. So here we are in another week on Living Holistically Well podcast. We have another interview this week. I am always excited when I get to talk to people on the show. And this week, I am bringing a gentleman in by the name of Paul Barrett. And Paul Barrett is an author and a speaker who has a passion for Christ. He has a passion for Christ. And he comes today to connect us and kind of share with us how to see the assignment on our lives. Of course, he's gonna share a whole lot more than that. So welcome to the show, Paul. Thank you very much, Dr. Annette. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, I tell you, you have a lot to share with us. Your book on detox, that kind of slaps you right there. What do you mean, detox? And you're talking about detoxing from a religious mindset. Um, like just start out and tell us why you came up with this particular book and this particular topic. Yeah, it could be considered a controversial topic, especially when people see the title, uh, Detox from a Religious Mindset. And I guess I could say that this book actually started over 20 years ago, and it was out of several seasons that I had endured and really began to question who I was, what I was supposed to do, and what God had assigned for my life. The actual title, Detox, only came about over the last three months. I began writing this book, and there was another title associated with it. And I remember a publisher telling me once, don't set your title and then write the book. Write the book and then set the title. And my wife and I, I would say probably over the last five years, have been embracing the word detox because we've had to consciously change our mindset about certain things in the body of Christ. And I guess I need to preface some of these statements by first saying, I did not write this book to be critical better or in any kind of rant against the church. On the contrary, I 
this together simply because I want to see the fullness of the body of Christ be completely active and operational in its assignment with God. And I think um, you had questions. I think most people have questions. And so I think it's great when a resource can come along and when you read it, you realize I'm not alone out here. That's very true. And part of that journey for us led us into that season that there were many more people out there that were feeling the same way that I was feeling and my wife was feeling. And as I stated earlier, this took place about 20 years ago where we actually relocated from upstate New York to a little town in the mountains of Colorado. And we went out there on a mission to help a pastor with his church in this local community. And we thought that we were the Cape Crusaders. We thought that we were going to be able to save the entire county. And actually, we ended up learning a lot more about ourselves than we helped the people learn about themselves. And we found that on this mountain top in a county of 3,500 people, that's how small it was, there was an incredible amount of the population was a lot of church misplants, replants, disgruntled individuals, and the churches were full of people that are, that had either been hurt by the church, they'd either hurt themselves, they'd made some bad decisions, and probably the one main factor is that they didn't know who they were. Their identity was caught up in so many different things in performance and actually not who they were. And so we actually found ourselves, and, and I termed this in the book, as a misfit. And just like the uh, that little cartoon thing with Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and the Island of Misfits, that's where we found ourselves. And unbeknownst to us, we were a misfit. We were misplaced. We didn't seem to fit almost in any place that we went. And it was very, very uncomfortable. I can... I been there been there so i can fully relate you you had a um a statement in your book and it says um the fact that we don't always verbalize our emotions in church is because we fear being seen as defeated weak and lacking in faith in the eyes of others yes um and that is a statement that i have held within me for so many years simply because i never felt i was in a position to share that because the way that we were raised in the church, we were always um, we were always expected to put on almost a non-verbalized spiritual facade that everything was okay. I'm trusting in the Lord. It's it's going to be good, and I'm fine. Nothing's going on in my life. Well, contrary to popular belief, there was an awful lot of stuff going on in my life and in my family. And I was afraid to share it simply because of being mislabeled that I didn't have enough faith. I wasn't praying enough. I wasn't reading enough or I wasn't giving enough. And unfortunately, um, 
again, I, I have to preface this, I'm not blasting the church in any way. But I think, unfortunately, for a lot of people, we're not allowed to share the hurts that are in our soul because we mask it with a spiritual persona and we leave ourselves very um, distracted inside, very broken inside. But we put on the fancy church clothes on a Sunday and we put on the spiritual um, verbiage and we act like it's all together. And there's a lot of people, it's not all together and they're hurting and they need a lot of help. Yeah, and I see that as, I, I use two words often in respect to that. I said, you have the questioner, the person who asks questions, or you have status quo. And where do we, where do we fit in that? And I think it's very important. We have questions. We should be, people should be allowed to voice their questions without those who lead or have the answers or maybe don't have the answers and need to seek out the answers being upset because they're being asked questions. Absolutely. And again, we, we sat, we've sat under phenomenal leaders over the past and we're, we're seeing a changing, we're seeing a transition in the body of Christ that is not necessarily focusing so much of our attention to the platform and those speaking, but it's, it's shifting towards the individual that's sitting in the congregation. Because there, there was a point in my life where I felt so empty and unfulfilled, even though I was so busy in the church trying to uh, support and fulfill the vision of the house and leaving all my personal aspects and aspirations aside. And I think part of that was trying to be a part of the status quo, trying to, trying to fit in and mm -hmm. trying to uh, assimilate into a flow and into a community of believers. But there was just, there was, sometimes it was just like sandpaper and there was a season in my life where I felt that there was something substantially wrong in my life and in my walk with the Lord. I thought I'd blown it <laughs> until I came into contact with other individuals throughout this nation that were experienced the same kind of feelings and thoughts that I was actually going through. Yes. Yes. And I liked how, um, you, you, you talked about um, so many of us have set in places and set aside the dreams, desires, and aspirations that the Lord have given us to support a local vision where the Lord has called us to go into the marketplace. Absolutely. And that, that is a big issue. And I'm, I'm not afraid to state that simply because, you know, we've been taught to support the vision of the local house. And that vision has been related to all believers throughout the body of Christ, wherever they go to church, by the senior leadership, senior pastor, elder, or whatever the, uh, the hierarchy would be. And that has been stated that they have received that from the Lord. And I completely agree with the vision of the house. The, the addition to that should be the recognition by the leadership 
in the houses of God of individuals that are in their congregation week after week after week that have significant callings upon their life, significant assignments to impact culture with the kingdom of God. And even in my life, I, I'm a person that, that likes, I guess for, for lack of a better word, I like attention. I was seek, seeking significance in my life. And so I pushed everything that I thought that I wanted to attain to in my life and I just came under the umbrella of the vision of the house and thought, okay, so I do this and that. And I was just heavily involved in the church. I thought, okay, people will appreciate me. And I was looking for the pat on the back and I was looking for acceptance and so on and so forth. And I, it just brought me to a place where nothing was working. There was such an unfulfilled void in my life because I had set aside my dreams, I had set aside my passions to want to do something different outside of the local house. And so I became extremely conflicted. Mm -hmm. And so how did you, how did you rectify that? I, the Holy Ghost had to take me into the woodshed. Uh, <laughs> Basically, it was through the season that we were out in Colorado, and I had an attitude. I didn't like the way things were going. I got a little resentful towards the church, and I became very brash. I became opinionated, and I became judgmental. And so the Lord really did a work on my life to the point where where I, I literally stood on a mountain top and I said, Lord, I have no clue what I'm doing. I don't understand this. Why do, why do I feel like you're killing me? And he was, he was preparing me. And so I had to shed off the religious mindset. I also had to shed off anger, resentment, and bitterness. And when we came off that mountain, we were up there for seven years. And it was probably one of the most beautiful, picturesque places we've ever been to. But it was one of the hardest climates, especially in the winter, we've ever endured. And coming off that mountain and trying to reassimilate back into church society, we came back to upstate New York. We felt like square pegs in round holes. <laughs> and it was at that point where I could feel that angst coming up again, that agitation. And it was just as like the Lord was pointing his finger at me and said, remember what happened in Colorado. And I said, okay, Lord, you got this. I have an assignment. I don't know what it is, but you're molding me and shaping me into something to be a voice of influence. Also, um, Paul, um, as kingdom believers, and you talk in your book about alignment, us aligning correctly, how does kingdom believers go out and into the world and create 
the biblical expectation? That's a very good question. We, we function and operate under an open heaven. We are citizens of the kingdom of God. So wherever we go, the kingdom is with us. Mm. It resides heavily within each and every believer. And the assignment and impact that we can have in our lives, and I say, I say simply, it's not always simply because we have to do homework on ourselves, but it is connecting simply with a dream and a passion within our lives that God put there to begin with. And that is where I became very, very awkward in being able to do that because after being involved in the church for over 30 years, I had been, for lack of a better word, programmed a certain way. And so if I had desires and passions to function and operate in the marketplace and in the world that didn't, quote, line up with my religious thinking, I would reject it. Mm. And I said, no, this is, this, is, this is not correct. Because if I have a dream and if I have a passion to do something that so resounds and, and, and resonates in my heart, then God put it there to begin with. And the one thing that struck me several years ago, when I was attending a church, I looked around and saw the congregation, all these people sitting and listening and watching and being involved in worship and this and the other. And the thought came to me was, this place is full with gifts, talents and abilities dreams, passions, and desires. And I looked and I, I, I became very emotional because I'm thinking to myself, these people are not being used to their full potential. Mm. I myself am not being used to my full potential. So it caused me to dig deeper into what my assignment in God is. Mm. Because when we can figure that out, when we can connect with what we're good at, See, we were born with gifts and talents. It takes years to develop. And there are certain things in certain seasons that God deposits in our lives, whether it be a, a particular job or a particular place that we're geographically that, that we're in. We have divine encounters, seasons of preparation and growth. But the body of Christ should be out on the cutting edge people are now the innovators and influencers and inventors in society. You know, we need um, kingdom political figures, attorneys, mm, legislators. We yes. need people in, in theater and artists and actors and economists and strategists and financiers. That every job that you can think of or actually work, I don't like to use the word job, work is more more important because it goes along with the assignment of the kingdom when people can connect with that what they do for a living and what they desire to do for a living has a greater impact on their lives and then has a greater impact on the support of the vision of the house mm. that's good that's good so you were talking about the marketplace um let share with the, the listeners exactly 
what is considered the marketplace? Where is considered the marketplace? The marketplace is every place outside of the church walls. It is the place of business. It is the place of just going to the store. It is the place where we interact with the world outside of the four walls of the church. And it is it is something that has been developing probably over the last decade, last 15 years, where we've seen a steady and a specific shift from the church into the marketplace. Mm -hmm. And we are seeing pastors that have a foot in either side, which is good, because it's important that leaders have an understanding of the marketplace. And when I, when I reference that, it's like me recognizing an individual within the congregation that has a specific call on their life to be a business owner. Mm -hmm. Now, why do you want to be a business owner? It cannot just solely be to make money. Correct. And that was my interpretation when I was a business owner, that make money, fund the church, make money, support mission, make mm -hmm. money, do this in the church, mm -hmm. which is all good. But there's a missing aspect again to this because when God assigns a particular person with a call upon their life to be an entrepreneur, business owner, or even somebody that's heavily involved in any aspect of business, he's called them to influence that particular arena, that particular environment with the kingdom. Because we can come into culture and when we, when we utilize the assignment of God on our lives, we can impact that for the kingdom of God because we go in with love and peace and That's hope and faith and joy. Yes. But we also go in with innovation and creativity where that we can show forth what God can do through an anointed vessel that touches other people's lives in business. What if you had a person that was in the political, as a political figure and then their, constitu their constituents was that person's congregation. That puts a whole new aspect on what marketplace would look like to people as well. Take what you have in the four walls of the house and deploy them in every sphere, in every area of influence that resides in the house. Pastors have to realize that they have a wealth of creativity in their congregation. But I've now, I, and I, and of course, just like you, I can't speak to all pastors, but I've seen and engaged enough pastors that are very, um, they're very territorial. They're very, they, they feel like the people belong to them. So I've seen where this con, this thought of going into the marketplace um, doesn't happen, even though people may have this, this longing they may have um, an urging. They don't move because they don't have the approval of the leadership. Yes, yes, I, I I completely agree, and that is that is very difficult waters to navigate. Mm -hmm. And you know, again, I I, I I say this many times in the book, and, I, and I'll say it on the air that you know I'm not trying to create right. 
uh, angry people nope, going up to their ministers and saying, Mm-mm. you're not doing it right. That's right. And I, I, I agree with the territorial aspect of it. And, you know, I think we see it in every community and every city we're involved in. Mm-hmm. And there has to be a coming together. There has to be unifying somewhere, somehow, along these lines. And, you know, my, the city that I live in, I mean, we can drive through the city and see an obscene number of churches on streets, corners, and wherever they're, are, wherever they're planted. Mm-hmm. But I still see my city in great need of a move of God. And how to fix that? It's, it's going to take a revolution. Now, there are places in this nation that are like phenomenal works. There are places on the West Coast that are transforming community. They are impacting culture. They're revolutionizing the actual appearance of what the church looks like, but should look like. And so we're seeing small pockets of transition taking place. And to what that looks like on a grand scale, it will, it will take a miracle, but it will also take people in the congregations and personally in their own lives taking hold of what God has called them to do and getting to know who they truly are. And for so many years, I thought that my call was to be in the church speaking on a platform. Mm-hmm. Because that, to me, was a, 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 a place of success. I didn't see myself successful anywhere else. I considered myself a second-class citizen uh, functioning out of the four walls, and I could only, I could only uh, uh, get to a certain level and be a first-class servant or citizen if I stood on the platform and began to <laughs> preach to others. Mm-hmm. And again, it's a religious mindset. Mm-hmm. That's good. And, and, I, I, and that's why I think your, your book really, um, really speaks because I think you have put together some great perspective without tearing others down um, that, that people need to hear. One of the things I wanted you to speak to um, in your book, you talk about future generations. And I was just recently speaking um, to um, a leader who was speaking about their own child and asking, what can I do? Because my child says the church is hypocritical. My child says that even though they, though they grew, up, grew up in it, they don't really believe everything that they're hearing. So they have a lot of questions um, in their minds. So how do you think that those of us who are supposed to be more seasoned and walking can help the future generation? That's a great question also. Thank you for asking that. Uh, The millennial generation has very much impacted my life and my wife as well. We do have three millennial children. Uh, We're we're considered empty nesters. They have all left home. They are married and doing well in life. And they're finding their purpose in the marketplace. They're finding their purpose in culture. And one of the things that irritated me several years ago when the church began to speak concerning the millennial generation and why they felt that they were losing this generation and came up with a bunch of, I call them excuses, because they said this generation is uh, 
has walked away from God. They're not reading their Bible. They're not praying. They're not giving. They're, they're, they just turn their nose up at the church and walk church and walk the other direction. You know, unfortunately, we've seen a lot of bad things happen in the church. And these young people see it also. Mm -hmm. But I don't necessarily agree with all those statements of why that generation has walked away from the church. Mm -hmm. uh, and I say the church, they've not walked away from God. Right, that's they've right. They've walked away from, a, from an establishment, from an administration yes. that is really not meeting their specific needs. And this is not all churches. Like I said, this, this, this is probably a majority of churches, but there are some great places throughout this nation and throughout the world that are really connecting with the millennials. And as a baby boomer myself, I think one of the main transitions that we have to, we, we have to make the shift in is that if we can be leaders to a generation of innovators, that we need to be able to listen to their heart. We need, we need to be able to listen to what God is speaking to them, even though it may not line up with our religious thinking. And we have to be in a position where we can safely uh, speak to them and instruct them, not dictate to them, but instruct them and lead them to the place that they want to go. Mm -hmm. So that when they're in the church, they say, okay, I'm safe. I can trust this person with my passion and with my life. And we should be able to help navigate this generation into the places and the positions where they find themselves operating and have greater authority in it. That's good. That's good. And I think, um, you know, we each have to, I think you, you said it in you in your book when it comes to the, these generations, the millennials and the Gen X, the Gen, the generation, um, that they are searching and they're striving for the truth, which is something that all of us should be um, uh, searching and striving for. And you said um, the traditional landscape, you know, of the church and its religious platforms is what has disillusioned people, um, I, I believe. And so I think it's important that we pay attention to these things. And that's one of the reasons I think your book um, is reads well, because I think these people that you are talking about, this younger generation will find great insight and clarity in, in what you have written, the way it's written. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. And it all goes back. Everything, I guess, I could say that uh, started this book, this process in my life was identity. I didn't know who I was. And I'd been in the church for, at that particular point, probably 20 years. And we have always heard, and it's always been referenced, that my identity is in Christ. And But I, I was always confused by saying, okay, what does that mean? What does my identity in Christ mean? Okay, I'm a believer. I am a, a, a kingdom citizen. I function and operate under uh, under a power and an authority that Christ has given me. I, I, I love, I, I can bring compassion, I have faith, and I hope. But part of my identity was finding my assignment. 
generations that have taken place in the traditional church, the baby boomer and baby buster generation, mm -hmm. they were so involved in the church that they didn't completely understand their true identity. So when they begin to speak and preach to this next generation, if they're not correctly understanding who they are and their God assignment, then they're not going to be able to lead anybody else to have greater clarity in their identity. And so that is one of the reasons why the millennials have so impacted my life, because I just see them wandering around, but I also see them with purpose. Also, see them with destiny, and I see the gifts and talents in their lives. And I'm thinking, if they, they could just mesh the two together, they could have this God idea and get on with their life and make a tremendous impact. That's good. That's real good. So um, this is this has really been good, and we haven't even what they say skirted <laughs> um, the content that is that is in this book. So I want the listeners to know. Um, Paul Barrett will be coming back um, to share again on this book. And I'm going to be asking the listeners for some questions that we can address on an upcoming show. Paul, before we close, if you could share a final thought with the, those listening and then also let everyone know where you are, um, where they can find your book, um, if, you have a, if you have a blog or anything that they can follow on you know, Facebook, let them know. Shoot. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yes, my book is available on Amazon. If you go ahead and type in the title, Detox from a Religious Mindset, it will pop up. Um, if you put my name in, Paul Barrett, there's another author with the same name and the same spelling, which is kind of bizarre, but <laughs> he's also a Christian author too, so I'm I'm actually uh, excited to try and find out who this gentleman is. But <laughs> if you type that title in, that'll come up. I do have a website, and it's called thedestinytribe.com. Um, I also have a Facebook page, and if you just type in my name, Paul Barrett, uh, the last spelling is B-A-R-R-A-T-T, that will also come up as well, and you'll see a lion's head, and you'll see my face as well on the uh, on the banner up there. If I was to leave a an ending thought here, I want to just say that I'm I'm, I'm very excited about what is happening in the world, and we are on a cutting edge. We're, we're on the cusp of an incredible move of God that has been stirring probably for the last quarter century as God has begun to navigate and to shift the church like an ocean liner. And he's bringing people in and he's moving people out and he's preparing this body and this time in our lives. I mean, it's been 500 years since the Reformation and with Martin Luther, and we are experiencing a rumbling of change, and the church is, the face of the church is going to change, and it is going to transition from what it has traditionally looked like to a marketplace 
just experience an expectation of God that's going to transform life as, as we know it. I, I'm looking forward to it, and I know that I'm going to see it in my generation. Amen, 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 as the church says. <laughs> Listen, everybody, again, I want to thank Paul Barrett for being on the show today. Such insight and depth. We appreciate you, Paul. Thank you. Thank you very much, Dr. Annette. It was a great privilege to be on your show. Thank you so much for inviting me. Bless you. Thank you. And listen, everybody, check this out. Listen to the whole podcast. I'm going to keep sending y'all reminders. But thanks for tuning in today, and I'll catch you next Thursday. Bye. As we close, I want to thank you for tuning in. Please subscribe on your favorite platform so you will receive notifications for this show. Share a comment and give a five-star rating. Join the mailing list at DrAnnetteWestMinistries.org. And while there, check out what's going on in our world. Also, purchase a copy of Dr. West's newest book, Holistic Wellness, Mind, Body, Spirit, on DrAnnetteWestMinistries.org and Amazon. Don't forget to follow Dr. West on social media. Mm-hmm.